Welcome to My Garden, My Life, a podcast designed to inspire you to get thinking about your garden and your relationship with it. I'm Sarah Layton, garden designer founder of Growthly, and my mission is to help you make the most of the joyful possibilities of your garden, to get designing and gardening your precious outdoor space and enhance your day-to-day well-being. Our gardens link to so much that is important in our lives, to space and connection, nature, passion, and to our very deepest selves. That space outside your door, be it large or small, can literally change your life. These conversations start with the garden and travel to a world of other, sometimes unexpected, subjects. And I absolutely love having them. And I hope you enjoy listening. Garden designer Melissa Jolly and I met in her garden late last year on a beautiful sunny day to record this conversation. Because we were outside, the sound quality isn't fantastic all the time, and there are a couple of chicken and plain interruptions which I hope you'll excuse. They don't detract from what I think is a really interesting conversation. Enjoy. So here we are, Mm -hmm. and would you like to introduce yourself? Because you'll do that better than I can. Yeah, so I'm a garden designer, um, which I've been doing for the last 10 years. And previously to that, I was a full-time mum for seven years. So sort of took my both kids through to kind of nearly school mm-hmm. level. And I've, I've come from, I don't know, different, different areas of my life have come together to make garden design feel like it was a logical step for me to take. Mm-hmm. I didn't know before I trained, um, I didn't have huge knowledge about gardens. I knew I liked being outside. My parents are both good gardeners. I loved being in the garden with them when I was little. But really, the the preceding years to to becoming a garden designer, I was renovating houses for a long time. I mean, at least seven or eight years of house renovation. So I was kind of heavily involved in the project planning, I Mm. guess, which actually is incredibly helpful now, being a garden designer. So I liked the design aspect, and I loved being outside. And I went through probably a year of properly racking my brains going what shall I do I didn't feel like I could go back into a job that I had done before I wanted flexibility I wanted to work for myself and it was actually my sister that said you know have you thought about designing gardens Mm. Um, and I said I hadn't and actually looked into it and thought it ticks so many boxes that I that I enjoy and like and I love design and I love I love development of houses and I love being outside and so. you've got a particular interest in the whole ecological side of things, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. I think that's the thing that I really enjoyed watching, I suppose, yeah. seeing you, seeing you in the pond the other day. Yeah. <laughs> in your knickers. Love being in a pond. <laughs> I had to move the plants, they're in the wrong place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, your caption, I think, said it had to be done. And I, I just thought you absolutely loved uh, this. And the other thing that I really enjoyed the other day on Instagram was your... Noticing somebody r- r- sw- while swimming mm. and getting get, getting off your computer and yeah. getting on your bike. I and jumped going on down my bike and I just thought, uh, so I follow this lovely um, lady, um, Garter Stitch Farm. They've got a beautiful farm up in Scotland and they wild swim a lot. And it just looks idyllic. And I saw this and I thought, oh God, I'd love to do that. And I just, yeah, I thought, do you know what? I've got a river down the road, sun is shining. We're going into winter. If not now, then never. So I'm going to go for a (laughs) swim. And then I got down there. And I I do really like it. I prefer swimming in the sea. 
but I did just think, oh, I'm on my own. So I texted my husband. I said, I'm going for a swim in the river, just in case you don't hear back from me. <laughs> Come find me. Come Make sure find I haven't me. That's drowned. where I am. Yes. <laughs> but I was fine. And it was yeah. nice and it was invigorating. And I got back here and I just thought, you know what? Probably 45 minutes, you know, cycling down, swim, cycling back. I feel like I've done something. And, and I guess, and, and you probably felt like a completely different person, didn't you? Yeah. I think you feel like, you know, you see people doing what you think is quite cool things, quite uh, different things. And I think we just think that's their life and they're having a lot of fun and doing interesting things. And I know, you know, my friends say it to me, my God, you're, you've been doing all, all this. And I'm like, well, I haven't really. I'm just not posting the time you that I'm You show your best life, don't or, you? Yeah, yeah, or sitting in front yeah. of the computer. Yeah. I am showing the moments yeah. of doing something a bit more interesting. Yeah. And uh, but what I'm struck about is that ability to decide, actually, no, I am going to stop mm. and to go and do it and to allow yourself to do that. Mm. And that's something I've actually had to learn to do because my upbringing my instinct was no you know there's a nine to five working Mm. day and you've got to keep at it and you know the value system is about succeeding and what does succeeding mean and actually the more I operated in that way the more unhappy I was Mm. and I love what you say about a cup of tea yeah I do that all the time yeah I do too in the garden absolutely any Mm. moment I possibly can really And that, when you mentioned weeding as well, mm. a little bit of weeding, getting yeah. so your fingers in the soil. Yeah. And that whole serotonin yeah. thing that is now proven, that connection Definitely. that's proven between serato- uh, between the soil and serotonin. There's something in soil that, mm. that produces serotonin in us. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think, I think we need to move away from... I mean, that's why I feel so sorry for people who do have to do a nine-to-five in the office and that they should be given more flexibility to, I don't know, take a, have a meeting in a park or by the river or... Walk and talk. Walk and walk talk. And have a I think you, have so, you get so much more done. And I feel that, you know, I've got, I've got quite a lot on my plate with kids and pets and animals, but that means that and when work. I do work, I'm so much more focused. You know, I'll be like, right, I've got two hours. I need to get this done. Blitz it. And I think if I didn't do that, I would procrastinate. I would like while away the hours probably not doing what and, I'm supposed to be doing and do you find that that's making a short time frame are you more more able to make a quick decision without without having to get the perfect absolute mm, probably I think I'm not a massive perfectionist in life I think that's one of the keys to being happy actually yeah is not having to be and we've talked about that actually yeah. as we've been walking around your garden and I think we? a lot of designers are very perfectionist and sometimes I don't see myself as good enough because of that because everyone's attention is in detail attention in the detail and I get that Probably. but at the same time if someone says oh we can't do it this way we need to do it this way I'm like that's fine if that works yeah. I'm yeah. happy with that yeah yeah it's not I'm not going to stick to something that I believed was right if in hindsight we could do it another way I had a phone call today from a you know site manager on site and we were talking about levels of pass and we had a step down and I've never been very keen on this but it, it worked from the architect's point of view with boring level thresholds but he said actually well can we do it this way and I said yeah absolutely and he's mm. on site laying it out about to put it down quick phone call and I said yep definitely Just, so you must be works. a dream to work with because I remember in my previous incarnation as a designer 
when I was working in the pre-growth mm. kind of way and the pre-being a therapist kind of way. Actually, I didn't like that. Mm. I wanted to go and see and point and decide and hold the attention to do. And I think that's part of what made me ill. You know, I just mm. don't think it's... It, maybe it's a personality thing, but certainly for me, that wasn't a way of working mm. that was constructive. And so being much more able, because we were talking about this, weren't we? This this ability to be responsive and mm. go with the flow a little bit and, and design in response to what is mm. happening rather than to project into the future and kind of try and imagine how it's all going to be, which is very much my way of working with Growthly is that yeah. way of being adaptable, adaptable to the, and, yeah, and, and, to and including the client so yeah. trying to invite the client to to think about what it is that really makes them tick yeah and really makes them happy and what it is that actually they want yeah rather than me making decisions for them is and they will feel so much more involved with it because of that but you know it's not just thrust upon them as this is what you're going to have it's yeah what would you how do you see yourself using this space or you know, would you sit here for a couple of, you know, quite often I'll suggest somewhere to sit. And I said, well, I don't really want to sit there. And I said, but you could sit there in, in the morning. It's going to get your morning sun. You could sit there with a cup of tea. And go, oh, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> You're like, give yourself the time to sit yeah. and have a cup of tea in the morning. Absolutely. But give yourself a space to do it as yes. well. So you're, you're, I think that's the way in which we can educate people in, mm. in terms of well-being, in mm. terms of feeling better in our lives is, is, Making spaces the where where yeah. we want to sit and where we want the, and, and sitting yeah. here is just lovely, isn't yeah. it? It's, I mean, this was always the real sun trap, which is why I thought it would be good for a herb garden. And you know, we've got a pretty old, rusty pair of chairs and a table, but they're comfy though. They're comfy, and it means you can sit here. And without chairs here, we wouldn't use. No. We wouldn't be in this space. No, so. and we're looking at a at a, a mess. No. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. I don't think we're looking at a mess. Uh, we're so, looking yeah, at trees so, yes. and we're looking at grass that's long. Yeah. And we're looking at steps up and we're looking at herbs and there's a really lovely sage plant there. Oh. We're looking at all sorts of naturalistic yeah. touches, I think. And it, it, I think the fact that you are in a farmhouse yeah. and you're using reclaimed materials, it all really works yeah. together. Yeah. I mean, I think... The nice thing about an old house is that you really don't have the contemporary perfection to work to. It's very different. You know, if you are working on a very contemporary house, I can see that attention to detail being absolutely crucial yeah. to making it work. Yeah, you know, well, the lines out, need to line up, don't yeah. they? Whereas here we can be a little bit more relaxed, a little Smudgy. bit more, yeah, yeah, hark yeah. back to its farmhouse. Right? Yeah. So I, I think... Um, I think there's a different. I mean, I'm I'm quite. You know, I really admire people who have that attention to detail. I just know I can't do it myself. I'm hoping none of my clients hear that. Attention to detail is very important. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they'd have chosen you or continue mm. to work with you if your way of working didn't work for them. Yeah. And we talk a lot. I mean, I I do. I don't know if I used to. You know, I used to get calls from clients or emails and slightly oh god I really I don't want to speak to them I don't and I always thought I was going to get told off for something and now I've realized that actually pick up the phone to a client if you need to if you need yeah. to ask them a question just call them absolutely um, and that's slightly come from my husband who is very good you know he said stop doing emails just speak to the people and it my husband really says exactly helps. the same thing yeah. and actually that was a really big message when I was working as a therapist and training as a therapist mm -hmm. was don't talk about things that matter on the telephone yeah. ever 
uh, on the on the on email, the email. Yeah. always or well, ideally face to face but if you can't do face to face then on the ta- on yeah. the on the telephone and i have made the odd mistake with that and it's you know i'm fine you know now i'll be like we'll keep the factual things to email i really like that well it's very very much the way that i'm i'm going with with work that that ethos of communication and ongoing there's a dialogue i suppose the dialogue yeah. collaboration yeah. i think Lots of people are are talking about working that way. Mm. I don't know whether the really big names work that way, but maybe they do. Mm. I don't know. I'm always intrigued with garden design to know how people work. So many of us work on our own. Yes, and it's all a bit competitive, isn't it? There's that sense of... I remember when I first, first qualified as a designer, we're talking about 1994 or five, something like that, Mm. phoning up a woman who was in my area, who was also a designer, 19, in Muswell Hill, I think she was, Mm. and saying, should we meet? Should we get together? She said, no, you're my competitor. Mm. And I just thought, gosh. And that kind of set the scene for something, which took a lot of coming away from, really. But actually, we can all help each other, yeah. and we should yeah. help each other. We don't. I mean, I've got a, a very lucky to have a, a designer friend who's a mile away, and I had a coffee with her before I even did my course. And I just said, "Look, I'm thinking of doing this." I'd never met her before, and she said, "Yeah, come for a coffee." And we have stayed in touch for the last ten years. And sometimes we will just go for a dog walk or go and have a coffee. We don't always talk about work, but just someone to offload on if you feel like you've got a problem and you just I don't know how to deal with this or I don't and I think when it's mutual and you're both helping each other it's a lovely way to you know when you work on your own it's very difficult to have that backup um, and we don't know all the answers and in the realm of design we are problem solving we Mm. are trying to come up with something that isn't there yeah and work out how to make it be there yeah and make sure that it works and that the structural elements are structurally sound mm. and the, the plants will survive and so there's an awful lot yeah. to know and and we won't always have done it before no i think i think i you know i am well i learned something new on every single project and i imagine i would learn something new going forwards as long as i did it before mm. and do you feel as if you learn by making mistakes yes definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely or near mistakes i had a near mistake on my last project where we, we had a pergola uh, with a hot tub in it. And um, when I, the hot tub was installed, pergola was done. And I got there and the, my lovely landscape contractor said, oh, you're, um, you're lucky with your measurements. That hot tub uh, lid clears the pergola by about two millimetres. And it was a proper like, oh, oh God, I hadn't thought of that. And, you know, now I would be like, Can, does the lid open if we put this under a... <laughs> I wouldn't make that I mean it wasn't a mistake but it was a near mistake that would have been costly yeah and um and it's it's I I had one of those I I ordered a very very large pot for a client this is back in the day Mm. in London working in a house in Islington no side no side passageways didn't measure the front door pot would not go through it Mm. we ended up or I didn't but my contractor poor fellow wonderful fellow ended up lifting it over three gardens oh wow he was not very pleased with me <laughs> but you're right you will next time exactly never make that mistake again and clients would usually be so impressed with that they were all oh, good thinking yeah, yeah measure the door you're like, that's because i made a mistake before <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly now i wanted to ask you change of subject completely mm. about ospreys oh wow 
yeah, that's a whole new um, potential venture. Well, before you start, I'm just oh. going to um, tell our listeners. No, not move the chicken. <laughs> just tell our listeners what's going on, okay. which is that a chicken has arrived. Can you, if you can hear gravel being pushed aside, it's being pushed aside by a very handsome male chicken, cockerel, I guess. Cockerel. Well, that one's actually a hen. Oh, that's but a yes. hen. Well, you see, there we go. That's as much as I know about it. I, I was going to just agree with you. And then you I thought, were, but then, oh, no, I've girl. actually asked you. <laughs> the hen has, uh, is, is, is on the gravel <laughs> just having a really lovely time pushing it aside and coming to be with us. And yeah. actually, as, as we've sat here, there are chickens yeah, arriving. They're coming. they're coming nearer. They're very sociable. They do love. And they'll probably come and try and eat the herbs as well. I mean, trying to keep a neat garden with this lot around is tricky. It's not so easy. And the dog digging holes. <laughs> but anyway. So, changing um, mm. bird. Changing mm. Well, changing bird. Okay. We're going back to ospreys. Ospreys, yep. So you have been, I've been noticing on Instagram, you have been involved. I'm not sure quite how involved. No. But it sounds like you're getting involved in doing something with conservation and ospreys and... Yes. It sounds very exciting. I did Google mm. it yesterday. I looked. Oh, at, did you? I did. Oh. I looked at the oh, the umbrella organisation. Yeah. yeah. So tell. So before I had children, well, going back to university, I did zoology and psychology. So I was always very interested in wildlife, and I always saw myself working in wildlife conservation. And then I was very lucky to get a job making wildlife documentaries, which was my dream job. And I did that for a couple of years before falling pregnant, and then was full time mum after that. And I went to a um, conference recently on uh, rewilding for climate change. So I just read Wilding by Isabella Tree. And yeah, was, amazing. It sort of was seminal. It changed the way I think about things. And she was speaking at this event. And I went Which to watch. conference was that? Sorry so it was called Rewilding for Climate Change. And it was the North East Climate Action um, organising it. I'll catch um, that from you later and put yeah, it in the notes if anybody wants to um, read about it. They were lovely people. I mean, I went up to Newcastle. I'd never been to Newcastle. Well, I hadn't been to Newcastle since university. And um, anyway, this lady, Sasha Dench, who I hadn't heard about, or I think I'd heard her interviewed on Radio 4. Um, she was giving a talk about working conservation and she wanted to highlight the decline in numbers of the Berwick swans. And they came up with all sort of normal the conservation. Swans. A Berwick swan. Whereas a Beric swan is a particular type of swan. Particular type of swan. So it migrates from the Arctic, sort of Arctic Russia, over to England. So it comes to us for the winter. Right. Um, and we were seeing huge drops in numbers. Okay. Um, and they were coming up with sort of quite normal conservation awareness campaigns, trying to highlight um, quite UK-based. And, and this amazing lady, Sasha, just said, well, you know, they're coming from Arctic Russia to the UK you know things could be happening all, all along, along. That route. we yeah. don't know what's happening yeah and so she because it's totally normal decided to fly with them on their migration route in a paramotor so she's on a paraglider with a motor and she flew the four thousand miles wow I, I mean, I was just thinking, how does she get so she turned herself into a bird essentially she was didn't called she? the flying swan yeah and yeah. she got lots of tv coverage amazing i didn't hear about and that and during this talk i just i mean she, it made me cry three times during the talk mm. it just touched me but what she was saying is when she got to the UK and she's got this amazing view because she's flying, she just said there, there was no wetland. You know, she couldn't see the wetlands where they needed to be. Right. So it was about rewilding and restoring our wetlands, yeah. um, which she thinks is very important. So I follow her on Twitter. And then she, they were calling for volunteers for their next project, which is Fly to the Osprey, 
going from Scotland to Ghana. And I just, because I had a background in wildlife documentary film working. Right. And a real interest in rewilding now and conservation in general, I sent her my CV and I said, I'd be interested to help if you think my CV looks interesting. And she got back and said, it looks great. Can you come to our selection weekend? Which was at Kate Humble's farm up in Wales. And I had no idea. I didn't really, I was volunteering to help, I thought, with social media photojournalism, you know, helping getting stories out into the media. Being here, doing stuff. Yes, looking at research projects. Um, You know, that I was a researcher with the other job I had. So I can find people to talk to and, you know, set up interviews. And I found that I was on a proper expedition training weekend. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And it looked like it was tough. It was really tough. And And it was really unexpected. And the lady in the goggles. Yes. So that's Sasha. (laughs) That's Sasha. Because we had to wear blackout goggles for some of the things. I mean, we were driving a Land Rover. Blackout goggles. So you couldn't see. So basically, so you wanted to be blind. So we had to do like Land Rover driving around an obstacle course with blackout goggles on, only listening to your co-driver, who was only taking instructions from a marshal on the ground. So sort of... So practicing, really, really listening, really trusting. Trusting, team building. Uh, We did desert survival. Um, We did a 10k night hike. Amazing! You brave um, woman. (laughs) Well, it was just. I think it was very unexpected. I hadn't, hadn't mentally prepared for it. But in a way, that's sort of what they wanted. They wanted to throw you into this. We were very tired, so we. They basically don't want you to sleep. Because they like want one to of put these, you under a lot like, of pressure. Like a, an army training kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, well, the, the guys running it were all army guys. All oh, right, okay. And, um, yeah, there was definitely no, no, you know, we were sleeping on the floor all together of a sort of barn. <laughs> so it was long? quite extraordinary. It was a weekend, so I arrived Friday night and got home Sunday night. And I hadn't, but what was interesting, there was a BBC film crew there filming it for BBC Breakfast. And the presenter came and said to me, she sat down with me and she said, so could you leave your children for four months? And I suddenly, it really floored me in that I just thought, I haven't even contemplated uh, contemplated joining the expedition. Like, I hadn't even... So I did have a moment where I went and spoke to them and I said, I'm not, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I can leave my family. And actually, having come back and thought about it a lot, I just thought, actually, once in a lifetime, I probably could. <laughs> Good for you! And the kids were both like go for it. Sounds like an amazing opportunity. Yeah, and they're quite grown um, up, aren't they? They're pretty grown up. They're quite self-sufficient. I, you know, I did. I mean, I don't know how it would work, and I don't know whether I'll be involved. But sounds it was incredible. Yeah. Sounds incredible. And what a journey from yeah. going to that conference in Newcastle, yeah. having was, read the book. Yeah, I was thinking about this because I didn't really know why I was going to this conference. I just knew that I liked the book. And I was thinking, God, it's funny what steps you take. So I'd read the book, and then I'd followed. The Wilding Project on social media and then I'd found out about the conference and then I'd gone to the conference and I'd listened to a lot of things on climate change so I got much more interested in that and back in conservation sort of got back into the world that I had been in and it's funny how things lead one to another. It really really is without you knowing that that's the way you're going you're yeah you're in fact that I wasn't really... choosing that direction I was just going that's interesting. You were following your that's nose weren't you? Yeah. And following your instinct. And whether it leads to anywhere or not, it, it was a... Oh, it's, it's going to lead somewhere. It's going to lead journey. somewhere. Whether or not it leads to four months away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'd have been really shocked, though, to have found myself... It's extraordinary that they didn't tell you and you didn't ask. <laughs> they so they didn't told, give you much they're information. They're told not to tell anyone uh, what, what's in store. 
Right. Um, because Although they we want probably you. ought to wipe this then on this. <laughs> yeah, on for, this future, for future for expeditions. future expeditions. Um, if I'd been really savvy, I probably could have looked up information on their last selection weekend, which right. I had done afterwards. But I just didn't even have a concept that that, that it was going to be like that. Yeah. And, it, and what I had thought is I, I had thought I would be quite a lot older than everyone else. And I was the only woman my age. There were sort of three men who were roughly the same age. And all the others had just come out of university. Gosh, so that really was quite young. interesting. That's interesting. Um, so I was talking to them more about my son going to university and what he was studying, that I was talking about like what yourself. I was doing. Yes, amazing. <laughs> I saw myself as quite a motherly person within the, yeah, within within the that group. Yeah, within that experience. Yeah. So it was interesting. And I, I phoned my husband. There was no um, Wi-Fi and very little service, so I didn't speak to him until I left on the Sunday evening. And I'd had about half an hour sleep the night before and maybe three hours the night before that. And I think it was, you're right, it's that shock, but the shock didn't hit me until afterwards. And I, I just was on the phone to him for about 20 minutes, bawling, but saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. But just the whole emotion just yeah. properly came out. And I said, I, and because I was really torn between having this amazing experience of something that I would have, you know, I used to love adventures, I used to love exploring and expeditions and, and then having this life with my family that I didn't want to leave. So I just felt like, oh, I feel like I'm ripped in two. Mm. I want to do, I want to do it, but I don't know if I can leave the family. And that's that perennial being a woman, mm. being a mother. Yeah. We're constantly making those choices, aren't yeah. we? We're constantly, my kids are grown up now. But still torn. But I'm still torn, I'm still torn actually. Yeah. You know, if my daughter announces she's coming home for the weekend and there's something I want to do, mm. then there's a real decision to be made of whether I'm going to be there to be with her yeah. or whether I'm going to go and do what this, whatever this thing is that I really want to do and is only happening once. Yeah. So, it, you know, even with grown-up children, it's still yeah. happening. But that's that decision as to how do we put ourselves first in our own lives and are we allowed to put ourselves first in our own lives yeah. when we're mothers and partners and yeah. housekeepers and and I think that's one of the things we're juggling all the time isn't it yeah. especially in work as well when I was when I was training I remember very very vividly as a designer being completely enthralled by my course it was the third year when I was doing the design stage and being absolutely enthralled by the projects and wanting to have time and knowing I'd really really like to spend an absolute fortune and go and be full-time doing this course yeah. I wanted to go to the inch board yeah. and do their year and knowing that we couldn't possibly afford it mm. and that even if we could afford the fees I had nobody to look after the children so that was never going to happen and the frustration and the challenge yeah. for me of that it's almost like the t two, there are two tussle. yous. Yes, yeah. yes, that tussle of yeah. wanting to be at home and being with the kids, but also mm. still, I was, you know, we, we talked about this, mm. that, that we were both very young when we had our kids. Yeah. That was still very young, hadn't done my thing yeah. yet. Well, I think that's coming, I mean, possibly similarly with you with Growthfully. It feels like it's coming now. I feel, you know, the kids are not quite old enough, but I'm beginning to feel like I'm being released from that. Yes. Time. And actually, I sort of I said to my husband, it's not actually leaving the kids that I'm worried about because, you know, A, my son will have finished school, so he might be at university, he might be off travelling. But I'd actually worry about leaving my husband for that long. You know, I, I'm sure we'd be fine, and people do it all the time, people who are in the army and have to go abroad. And I guess that's possible. I mean, I guess it's a discussion, isn't it, yeah. and how he feels about it and yeah. 
I'm uh, sure yes. there are ways we could get around it. And, you know, again, I don't know if it would even be a possibility, but actually possibility or not, and whether I get to work on it or not, it's been a really interesting thought process. I was going to say that. It's really interesting to hear the places that it's taken you mm. and, and things it's made you think about and yeah. it, the value systems and how you decide yeah. what you do and the fact that your kids are saying, do it. Do I think it. that's Jack, isn't yeah. it? In this Jack. He's, he's doing something. Around. Jack's the dog. <laughs> he's doing something in the shed that we're sitting next to. <laughs> I don't know what he's found. Probably mice. He's looking for mice. But no, and actually my husband did say to a friend the other day, he didn't say it to me, but we were sort of chatting and he just said, oh, you know, Mel was so animated when she got back. Well, that was what Just I was... full of, yeah. like, couldn't stop speaking. I can only imagine, you know, mm. you talked about the bawling, the 20 minutes yeah. of bawling on the telephone. I kind of got that out. Yeah. And, and I then I was just next... like, yabba, yabba, yabba. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> I was so excited. And what's fascinating is the fact that this has taken you back to something that you mm. already knew about. Yeah. And that's what I've been picking up from your Instagram. Mm. And I think that was what I wanted, what, why I wanted to talk to you, really, mm. was because you seem to have that intrinsic sort of connection mm. with the land with getting up early to see that sunset mm. going in the pond going to the river all the things that just seem to really really support you yeah and make you tick and you just seem to know to do them i think they just feel right i mean often i you know so say we're looking at just instagram i often look at my instagram and think you know i'm not really showing myself as a designer i look at other designers pages and I love them and I love what they're doing and I look at mine and I'm you know I like I like what I'm putting out but I don't feel like it connects necessarily with me being a garden designer I think if you just looked at it you might I don't know what you would what, but yeah I do kind of I, if someone said why are you doing Instagram I think I would struggle to give an answer I think without even knowing it you're probably doing Instagram in an absolutely perfect way from my perspective, because from what I'm understanding and what I'm learning about as I use it, the more that we can be ourselves yeah. and the more that we can share who we are and what we're doing and what makes us excited and tick and, mm. and what's difficult and what's real and the more that people will find us because we touch something for them. Yeah. And that's my hope really with this conversation with these podcasts as well is i mean i don't know who's going to listen to them but yeah but hopefully they will they'll click with someone they'll click with some people and 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 my purpose really is in in sharing this passion and connection and joy that comes from being here sitting yeah. next to plants and touching plants and being outside in nature and yeah i've i've had a um i've been following tony riddle who's the natural lifestylist on Instagram. And I've only just come across him. He's got thousands of followers. I don't think I know who he is. Mm, well, he has a great kind of catch line, which is, we can't all live in nature, but we can live a natural lifestyle. And he's not suggesting that we give up our office jobs. But actually, he had some really simple ideas, like put a plant on your desk. Yeah. Just really easy. I mean, he's a big advocate of sort of not sitting down on chairs all day. So standing, so standing desk, have a standing desk, getting up every twenty minutes and yeah. walking because that's what we evolved. That's how our body evolved. And it's of course we have to adapt to a modern lifestyle, but just by bringing in, you know, there's there's no massive difference apart. You know, there's a small difference in our brains that made us what we are today and not 
a chimpanzee in a forest or yeah we're not we are different but it's been incremental differences that have brought us to where we are not one huge brain difference so i sort of think well we can't ignore that well not we're on a climate well we ignore it at our, pe- at our peril yeah. don't we yeah and, you know, with the huge numbers of people who are depressed and anxious and yes. finding life, it's, mental yeah. health difficulties and working yeah. in cities and working in spaces. My son working in a space without a window. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, just inhuman. As, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's inhuman as far, you know. Yeah. So, But I yes. think people are beginning to realise that, that actually, well, I hope they're beginning to realise that. I mean, yeah, I just think it's such a shame so, so one of the things I think if I didn't say go into conservation or if I didn't carry on as I'm doing because uh, there's going to be such a huge proportion of population living in cities over the coming years I did think well that's really the place to focus isn't it to get people living a more natural lifestyle within cities mm, and that's interesting amazing ecological designs that are beautiful but they are bringing you know um, say native plants water into the middle of cities so yep. these people can go and enjoy them and I think people love enjoying that you know if you gave people that option um, well, they'd to be go there, and have their lunch they? there go and exactly. have a coffee there absolutely there. well the Barbican is an example oh, of that yeah. Nigel Dunnett's yeah. um, design in the, in the Barbican with yeah. that amazing naturalistic planting and trees and yeah. just just be prairie kind yeah. of plant just beautiful I mean he he is I went to a uh, workshop of his recently and just seeing what they've done in Sheffield I mean I wish Sheffield was around the corner because I would be looking to do a master's or a postgraduate there at the drop of a hat because I just think it's fascinating what they're doing Mm. and they're looking at real human behaviour changes where they are involved in planting so so say more about that so I went to his workshop down in Bristol I think again through Instagram saw someone and she was doing some workshops down in Bristol actually I think she does them everywhere but she's based in Bristol and I just thought that Nigel done it I've heard him speak at some events before and I I just thought I'll go and you know I'm getting more into this naturalistic planting anyway I'll go and you know have this workshop with him and it was interesting because a lot of what I've been reading with wilding is about the very you know you leave it you yes let it's it the, go wild yeah. you so it's all native plants you're not putting anything in whereas he's quite different he he wants to have diversity of species yeah and he doesn't mind whether they're native or not yeah he's saying they're still good for pollinators yeah. they're still good for well-being absolutely and the stories that he says you know they obviously they're they are up at sheffield university and they use these um they have trial patches in a lot of their local parks you know right. they went to the councils and they said can we have this yeah. bit of land and a lot of the people, you know, they were in sort of quite um, areas that were didn't have a lot of money and they were sort of told, well, you can do it, but your planting is going to get trashed. You know, no one's going to respect it. He said total, total opposite. He said people were really respecting it. They were keeping to paths. So there were paths formed within these lovely They're naturalistic meadows. They're valuing it and recognising yeah. just and what a difference it makes. And he said there were sort of kids in there and some people, you know, kids may be picking flowers. But he said that that's good. That's engagement with, isn't it? That's taking something home and putting it in a vase and putting it by your bed or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then they've done these amazing um, rain gardens in the streets in Sheffield. And just the other day, so two days ago, I think, he posted um, after we'd had some really heavy rain and he said rain gardens, you know, doing what they were designed for and huge amounts of rain coming off the pavement straight into these rain gardens. Amazing. Where they'll be held and then the water can dissipate, you know, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's phenomenal. And I keep it's saying, why can't every city have Yes, why can't every city have this? I don't understand yeah, why we're so lagging. it's such a no-brain. I was in Trafalgar Square. I don't remember when it was, maybe three or four years ago. One of those amazing downpours. And we were paddling mm. in Trafalgar Square. And Trafalgar Square had recently been re-landscaped. Mm. And I was just, I mean, it just is so daft. Yeah. It just makes so no sense at all. Yeah. Absolutely no sense at all. Literally, yeah. we were paddling in water maybe 10 centimetres deep. Yeah. And it sounds like this the flash flooding is not going to go away. No. It's going to be no. becoming more... You know, it really came home to me recently when I was... This is really boring. <laughs> but I had to um, put some drainage into a drive. And so I phoned up the uh, manufacturers and I said, this is the size of the drive, this is the size of the drainage, can you tell me what, um, what unit I need for it? And so he did all his calculations and then, you know, he was... He so unit of paving? Unit of drainage. So it was, unit a, of drainage. It was a linear yeah. slot drain and I needed to know the size of it. So he made all his calculations. He said, okay, once in 30 years storm, blah, blah, blah. You know, so he's calculating Excuse how much me? rain. Once in 30 years? Well, like every once in 30 years, you'll have a storm that's bigger than... So they calculate... But we're so having those a, more often, aren't we? We are. But what was really interesting is that he included in it climate change uh, uh, an additional amount of rain okay so he wasn't just change. ignoring because i was imagining yeah. that so he yeah. did all his normal ones yeah. he said okay this is the size this is how much rain you're going to get per hour in one of these freak once yeah. in 30 year yeah. storms yeah and then an additional percentage for the climate change and i just it made me just go wow that this is it's a real it's really it's happening. really happening it really is happening. really happening and it's really scary mm. and as i was throwing something in the bin today i thought oh gosh you know Actually, this really matters. I have yeah. got to find new ways of doing yeah. what I'm used to doing and I shopping. I am change. doing it. I'm already conscious of it. Yeah. But I have to be doing step, more. Everyone yeah. is beginning yeah. to be, Well, I yeah. say everyone. A lot of people that I know tend to be thinking about it now. I think maybe the older so. generation isn't necessarily. It depends yeah. who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my husband's not that interested. <laughs> no. But um, I think the more you, you know, the more you look into it and the more you read about it, that was kind of, it's, yeah, absolutely. And, and we need to adapt very quickly. Yeah. I think that's the key. I read, uh, listened to a podcast the other day and they said the early adapters will be much better set up. And I suddenly thought, wow, this is it. Okay, I'm going to be an early adapter. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's the case with everything, isn't it? We have got yeah. to believe that things are going to happen. Yeah. Rather than think actually Head they're in not. the sand. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. I thought, actually, well, even if it doesn't happen, nothing I'm going to do is detrimental, bad. Costly. No, it's all it's going all to be good, good stuff. Yes, yes. It's all good. It's all good for well-being. Yes. It's all that lovely, lovely and much more community-based. They're saying, you know, you will need you will need help from neighbors. We will need mutual helping again. Yeah. Therefore, you know, get to know your community and your neighbors and help and you know, just little Support things each like, other. you know, we really shouldn't be giving over farmland for growing our lettuces. You know, we can grow enough lettuces in a very small amount of land and continually crop them or grow them on our windowsills or anything. We should, be growing, our, space. We should be growing our own lettuces, are, basically. Yeah. So I think there are a few things. We don't have to grow everything ourselves, but there are a few things that we could take on like our grandparents did. And, mm. and then that frees up space for the more important things, I think. Mm. But you know, it's a sea change of thought. It really, really is. I'm not sure I would be ready to kill my own chickens yet. <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. So your, your chickens give eggs. Yeah. But they're not... They're not they're not for meat. And no. this is the chicken we're hearing, scraping yes. and bashing. She's back. Yeah, she's back. But no, I couldn't. I mean, I would love to be that self-sustainable, but I think I would turn 
I was vegetarian for a long time when I was younger and I think I would turn vegetarian very quickly again. <laughs> I think I wouldn't be able to do it, which is a massive cop-out. I know it's a massive cop-out that someone else does it for us. But. but that's another whole question. And I think we are allowed to be who we are. Yeah. You know, some people relish being involved with animals. Uh, oh, what's her name? I think she's an American. She has got a very sweet baby. She puts her in lovely jumpers. Aww. And um, mostly she writes about the child. Yeah. But the other day that she was she was writing about hunting and, and getting ready to go hunting and mm. have and and kill a deer. And then they mm. actually put up a picture of the deer and the gutting of the yeah. deer and she apologised at the top of the post yeah. saying, you know, if you're of delicate yeah, sensibilities yeah. then yeah. but I'm but this is real and this is what we do and this is our lifestyle and yeah. You know, we have to respect each other's way of doing things, yeah. don't we? And I do, and even though I know I would struggle myself, I respect that because I think if you do eat meat, you need to respect it. But I'm probably not far off giving up meat again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The more we think about it. Interesting. And you've got a nice big piece of land here. You'll be able to do all I sorts know. of things well, with see, it. The next thing I was thinking is if I had some goats. In that piece their, over there. Yeah, I could yeah. have their milk and make some cheese because that's the other Absolutely. piece. Absolutely. Dairy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking, well, Maybe I could do that. And I would need community help for that. You have because, a little dairy and you'll yes. be supplying your neighbours. And then I'll have a farm shop. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll leave it all to go expeditioning somewhere and it'll all fail. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I think that that was a slight dream when we bought this house with a little bit of land. And I just thought, I would love that. I would love some kind of a farm shoppy type thing. But then I keep saying I'm a garden designer. Just concentrate but, on one thing. <laughs> but it's this connection with the land, isn't it? It's all about the connection with the land. And it's, it, you know, this is just the most idyllic situation. Mm. We're sitting here. There are now two chickens. One is having a scrape around in the gravel. The other one is in the, in the herb bed. There are three more over there. I don't know where the others have gone. The yeah. dog's right here. This is just yeah. such a lovely way of living, isn't it? And it is what I what I dreamed I didn't I'm not sure I really thought I would have it but I used to go to people's houses that had this and just think oh I'd love that and then we moved up here and I thought well why not just yeah. fill it with some animals and that's that's what you're the doing the only problem is going away which you know is always a problem I'd love to have someone who could just well my parents <laughs> my parents well, yes, next door and I knew, we talked about that earlier your, yeah. your parents are next door yeah and you get on well with them <laughs> I do <laughs> which I it's think is such it's, an odd thing to say you live next door to your parents but I, I really we do get on really well I see them most days we'll come and you know they'll walk the dog up here I'll walk the dog down there we'll have a cup of tea so nice and I do, I do, as someone whose relationship with her parents, I would never have gone and lived next door to my parents. Mm. I got away from Leeds, which is where I grew up, as early as I possibly could. And it's been a recovery process. Mm. So I do, I do think about that. I do wonder about that mental health and not having the, not having the hurdles to get over somehow. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure we all have our own, we all have our own hurdles. Sorry, she's really noisy. <laughs> Yeah, but she's I think, making I think quite a mess over she there is as making well. A mess she's getting below the gravel there. <laughs> Very noisy. <laughs> but no, I think um, it's a massive support to have a to have a family um, locally. And actually, mum, you know, mum is an architect, so um, so it's, it's in the I, family, she comes isn't it? Talk, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be stuck on a design. I'll yeah. say, mum, can you just come and have a look at it? And she'll sit down and with a big pen and the tracing, she'll bit of tracing paper, and she'll scrawl on it. And it's just. I mean, to have that on my doorstep is amazing. amazing. Yeah. So you've grown up next to that. You've stood next to her while yeah. she's been designing yeah. on her drawing board. Yeah. And, you know, when we were younger, you know, we'd be picked up from school, taken to a building site. She'd have a site meeting while we were kind of, you know, playing with the 
muck of all the, um, you know, putting the brickwork in and talking to the builders. Yeah. So I actually tend not to do so much now. I try and, well, I'm not sure now, but when I was starting, I was very much trying to be the professional person who didn't involve my children in this. Yes. They're not, I think actually, what a shame, because I loved going to building sites with her. I loved being involved. And she never batted an eyelid. She just said, oh, the kids are in the car. I just run around while we're having our meeting. And, and, and that, that being yourself. Mm. And that seems to me that, that what we're, what I'm trying to do and what mm. I hear you trying, you, you doing is creating a way of working that really works for us mm. and that is authentic and honest and is who we are mm. without having Not to... to hide I used to dress up to go and see my clients in London. I used yeah. to... I Not, still do if I go to London. Pretty ah. much anywhere else, I'll turn up in boots and whatever you have to be wearing. Yeah. But quite often my London meetings are in a in an office with a design team. I think that's what you were saying earlier. You're, you know, everyone else is looking really smart and wearing like, black. Not, wearing is black. What I said. You're wearing black. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I, when I'm going up to London, I think, oh god, I better put something a bit smarter mm. on. And I don't have anything smart because I work from home. Or I'm in the garden. So then that's so stressful. Think, well, what am I? I haven't got any work. So clothes. that's stressful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, yeah. though, that you kind of mentally think, I can't turn up to London looking a real scruff bag from the country. I used to turn up at this, this project I was describing in Westbourne Park in a skirt in the summer mm. with sandals. Yeah. And it probably wasn't very practical, actually, because I remember having to go up a ladder <laughs> in front of a landscaper with him having this sense that he was probably <laughs> able to look at my knickers. But everybody else being dressed in their, their, their smart mm. brown, black, clothes mm. yeah I feel lucky that I haven't had to work in an office I feel like I'd be totally lost like I don't know how departments and in you know people talk about line managers I have no idea what that means <laughs> like well, my so line manager said that I'm like I don't know what, what that a is a line manager I think is your boss okay <laughs> that's fairly why can't they just say my boss <laughs> I kind of think of this person I don't know what I think and I didn't know what sort of an HR department was for years and I mean I've got I think running your own business I've got better I sort of understand how a business works. So that's, but yeah, I think I would be, I think I'd be a bit lost. And isn't it wonderful that you ever haven't ever felt that you should go and do something? Because I, mm. I... I sometimes feel that I should have. Or should you? I just go and work a normal job where I just get paid every month? <laughs> I don't So have then to. you'd feel more secure with, with income. Yeah, or just sometimes. I think, I think it's better now. But I think, you know, I was saying a, a couple of years ago, I had a, I was stressed with work. I had too, far too much on. And I just thought I'd love to be able to walk away. I just, I'd love someone else to have a bit of responsibility for this, not me. Mm -hmm. And I think That's the thing of working on your own, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe not to take it when it's not yeah. okay. And that's why I stopped designing gardens in mm. London was because it was... was it was making me ill. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't working for me. And then you're not doing it. I wasn't doing a good job because yeah. I wasn't feeling. It wasn't. It just wasn't the right environment. And I think that's the environment. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Because here we are sitting in this amazing environment. Nice environment. It's. It's about being who we are and yeah. and, and making our lives and our work work, work for, for us. us. And on that note. I think we've been talking for quite a long no, time. So much to talk about. <laughs> so much to talk about. And you know what? I knew that was going to be the case. Yeah, so. Oh, it's been lovely to chat. It's been really lovely to chat. So thank you so much for listening. Melissa and I would love to hear what you think and what our conversation has brought up for you. You can find me at growthfully on Instagram and Melissa is at melissa.jolly. Please use the hashtag 
my garden, my life, so we can find your comments. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please do subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast. And every time I read one, I really do let out a shriek of delight. If you'd also consider sharing the love on your Insta stories, that would be amazing. The show notes for this episode are on my website at www.growthfully.co.uk and Growthfully has an F for Freddie in the middle, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, read my blog and find out how I can help you create the garden you'll love. In my one-to-one online sessions, we cover layout design and styling, planting, gardening, whatever you need to help you make the most of that precious space. So I think that's it for now. Until next time, enjoy your garden.